0: Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens.
1: I'm
2: Christina Roberts.
0: I'm Chris Roberts.
2: I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello. It's great to be with you. Today we're continuing a series on our podcast that we titled, What Is where we're looking to explore words or phrases that you often find in contemplative circles, but you may not exactly know what they mean. And so for today, we're taking some time to talk about visio Divina, a form of contemplative prayer that has a cool name, but it's possibly intimidating, which is why we're talking about it here. So if you break it down, that word visio is related to the vision as we would understand so related to sight and seeing and then that second word divina is related to things that we might call heavenly or things that are divine things that are beyond ourselves connecting to our inner wisdom and so then when we put the two words together visio divina is really about allowing ourselves to connect with the divine through what we see It's sitting with what we can see, not moving on too quickly, but taking the time to notice what's stirring in me, what's coming up as I see this thing, and what is the significance of that? And so I really love this form of prayer because I spend a lot of time with words for work, and I absolutely love words. I love word puzzles. Words are the greatest but sometimes, and particularly I think when it comes to God, I just want to break from words. I want to just be in presence. And so I've been amazed at how meaningful this form of prayer can be because these things will stand out that I hadn't premeditated. I wasn't thinking that's where the time would go. And so whether it's an image outside the window or a picture or a series of pictures or an icon It's just what it is. You sit with the image, it captures the attention, or some small thing about the image is capturing the attention, and we connect with the divine around that. Why is this coming up? What might God be trying to say to me? And it's often very surprising, the wisdoms that come out. So that's a brief introduction to Visio Divina. With that in mind, I'm actually really looking forward to hearing what comes to the surface for each of you as we talk about this today.
0: I think one of the things that comes to to my mind, I think whenever I first heard of this, I was a part of a faith tradition that had clear boundaries on what is acceptable, what is appropriate ways of knowing God and seeing God or interacting with God. And I remember going through seminary and seeing ways that have been divisive over the course of history. And I thought, oh, this, is, this has been one of those more modern ways of praying that ha- has been divisive. And I think some of the things that they said about why is divisive is because it doesn't use the mind, it uses the imagination. And so there's almost this hierarchy of the ways in which God speaks to us. God speaks to us mostly through our mind. And if we allow God to speak to us through our imagination, that's when we get in trouble. There's a loosey goosiness to that or however you want to say it. And I think having that sort of conflict or an interaction with it, I think one of the things that was super powerful for me is finding out that Christians have been experiencing God in this form of prayer for thousands of years. It's been uh, a practice of the church, the Orthodox church for a a very long time. And it's only in the past 200 years that we've given caution to this way of knowing God. And so I think that's one of the things that comes up for me. But I think I I want to explore more of the values that we put on the ways in which we allow God to speak to us. I think you can find that in many circles. I think in the Western world, we are very head-centered. We want to know God through our mind, illumination. And so I just bring that up. That's what comes to my mind right off the bat.
1: What comes up for me is a contemplative group that I was part of years ago. And one of the weeks, my friend had visited an iconographer about an hour away from Madison. And so she came back and she had her own collection and had borrowed these different icons. And so she had the room set up with a bunch of icons and she invited us into this meditation of icons. And sometimes, and my friend has an Episcopal background, and I grew up with icons as an Orthodox. That was definitely part of our faith. But sometimes when someone who's not part of your faith highlights an aspect of your faith, you see it in a whole new way and with fresh eyes. And so experiencing icons with a group of people that had never experienced it before was really beautiful. And so she was guiding us through as, okay, as you're see which icon you're drawn to and then spend. And she had a little... A, a bell or something that indicated the time that we were to spend there, and then we could move on to another icon. And so she had these prompts of notice the eyes. And as you're focusing on the eye of the icon, what are you noticing? And of course, a tradition is to have candles in front of the icon because the icon is, it's a piece of art, it's static, but a candle is like a living flame representing the light of Christ in front of the icon. And so you're having the flickering of the candlelight with the icon and encouraging us to look at these different ancient, beautiful paintings. And it was so wonderful because I'm sure these were some of the exact icons that I had seen as a kid growing up or whatever, but somehow experiencing that in that moment with these people brought fresh eyes to me. And so building off of that, of what are our modern icons and can we take modern photos and, and replicate the same idea of that, that visual engagement? So I think for me, that's what comes up. And, and I, I've appreciated Vizio Divina for years. And I think that practice of it only continues to enrich my life. I love that you're sharing one of your first experiences
2: because it brings me back to one of my first experiences, which was at a retreat where these series of pictures were offered to us. And one of them in particular just caught and it became this meaningful story almost. That one picture could become a story. I will also say at the same time, it set me up to have a lot of hope or expectation for what this could do for me. So I went home to do this very same thing and I found maybe a sculpture or something on some website about contemplative stuff and I got nothing out of it, which was so disappointing. I didn't know what to do with it. And so it did take a little bit of uh, learning because I think that fear of what if I get nothing is such a big deal. When we have that question, about anything, much less with Vizio Divina. And Chris, I think you're bringing up a great point that the imagination is involved. And so that can feel really scary for us at times. And in a way, it has been in relaxing and not expecting a specific outcome that I've been able to really embrace it. So I went home with a lot of expectation after that and then had to like, (laughs) I had to take my time. I had to take the journey.
0: I love the different ways that you guys have shared your story and how you've engaged with Vizio Divina. I I think I've had to grow in this and I love it. Even hearing your guys' openness or, and being confronted with my own lack of openness, but I think openness to, I think if you translate Vizio Divina again, it's like divine, divine scene. And so I love you saying about the candle in front of an image and, I think one of the most powerful ways I've experienced, and it's a form of Visio Divina is soul collage, just looking at a couple of pictures that resonate with you. And so I, I participated in this, and then this soul collage and looking at images and how they spoke to my life. And then I created sort of my own icon from this practice, and I have it sitting above my desk I have it sitting on a shelf above my desk and I look at that often and I, I say what new thing is speaking to me from this image of this divine scene that was a part of my life over a year and a half ago or even longer I also have a, a piece of art that my daughter made me that's a plate with the Lord of the Rings and I look at that and so I love the practice of visio divina but I think one of the things that I struggle with is looking at something for the right amount of time to to allow my imagination to engage in a holy moment way right where I'm connecting with the divine and so that's something that comes to me that's something I want more of is how do I pause for the right amount because I'm just so used to my scene being a part of movies or looking at my computer or even reading books, right? That's my scene. And so if I'm not going to an art gallery, how do I engage in Visio Divina as a part of daily life is a question that I've offered up to myself. And I think it's worth exploring. Uh, and so I appreciate having this conversation because I think it could be hugely impacting for the the way in which I view the world. So
1: I appreciate you bringing up both of you, your points. And I remember after my experience in the retreat, I first did a retreat with others and I borrowed my friend's icons. And there was this one girl that was there and she said, all the icons just feel really sad to me. And I think The traditional iconographies and certainly I think a lot of the Middle Ages, Dark Ages, some of the art coming out of there as opposed to the Renaissance happened to be the era in which some of these were. And so recognizing that. And so it led into this conversation of our modern icons and we all had our phones and it's like, what's on your screensaver and those of you that have Instagram. But Chris, I think to your point, our culture that does scroll, right, we're used to just lots of taking in lots of images in a day, whether it be billboards that we drive by or of course, social media, etc., and so that idea of pausing and sitting with, and and I think it was important for that <clears throat> for that person to acknowledge, yeah, life was hard back then. And so, although it felt dark and sad to me, these icons, it was good for me to experience that because I don't normally. And then it gave her an appreciation for the era in which she was born and the possibilities and the hope and the light that she felt. But even in all of those icons, there was always a contrast of kind of maybe the darker, more somber colors and tones with lighter tones with it, and so. I think sometimes just even noticing, actually, I'm just drawn to the color today and the contrast there. And that's enough. And maybe in the sitting of it, you're not even necessarily like getting much out of it. It reminds me of the Centering Prayer podcast that we did where maybe in the moment it isn't the thing, but you walk away from that. And then later that image comes to mind or later that contrast, it's, oh yeah, like I'm remembering the angel in that one particular icon, or I'm remembering the look on the person's face or that little thing in the corner that was just budding and it can come up to you later. And so... Christina, your idea of the journey and sitting within the process, I think this is definitely at the practice. It's not like you just sit down one time and then you've mastered visio Divina. I do think that it's something that we practice, similar to playing an instrument or things like that. Uh, I absolutely connect with
2: all of this conversation because I've had these other moments where someone said to me, oh, I did this one practice, for instance, where I looked up at the sky and I was like, okay, but then later on in the day, she said I was taking a walk and the light was shining through the trees and it wasn't just like blue sky. It was, again, like the candlelight, this kind of living, moving thing in a way, but it was changing. It was vibrant. It had a variety of colors. It had texture maybe to the light. I don't know how people talk about it. <laughs> and it mattered. And I do think, like you're saying with the practice, that there is something to how this Creates a transformation or a moving or a change on the inside that eventually works its way out. And this is true of seeds too, right? Something is sprouting and it's growing its roots slowly before you ever see anything come on the surface, start to sprout on the surface. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: I think one of, I appreciate you saying that too, Christina. I think one of the things that comes to me is, in what ways was I engaging in audio divina and I was unaware In what ways was I engaging in video divina and I was unaware that I was doing so. And when you ask that question, the where did God show up in the things that I was looking at? And I remember when Christina Roberts and I first got married, one of the things that that she did is she took me to Greek Orthodox churches and there's icons everywhere. And, That was a beautiful experience. I was looking at things that I've never seen before because I didn't grow up in the Orthodox tradition and thinking back on how I experienced God in those moments and the ways that they opened me up and they opened up my imagination and my creativity. And I think later on, that became a practice of whenever we would travel to some new place, we would go and visit these these very old churches and look at the artwork inside of those. So that's something that comes to mind as well, is the thinking of, oh, in what ways was I already participating in this practice, but I just wasn't aware of it. I, and I think that's probably true for all of us. We probably engaged, we probably had these moments of divine seeing, we just didn't name it that. And so that, that's something that I, I think is a possibility as well.
1: I think too, Vizio Divina as a standalone practice is something that we've been talking a lot about here today. And also, I think that it can be a supplementary or a complementary practice. And so I was recently leading a, a retreat, facilitating a retreat, and the theme of their retreat was looking at the seven I am's of Jesus and the Gospel of John. And so I found lots of photos that could possibly correlate with I am the bread of life and then different bread photos or I am the vine, you are the branches, different vine, et cetera. You get the point. And so with that, we're illuminating our mind with the words, with the scripture, with the text and also these photos amplified. And so as they were working with both of those pieces together, the Visio Divina was new, I think, for everybody in the room. Um, But they were so appreciative of it because it made both more richer, having the words to go with and the photos to go with enhanced. And so I think just in anything too, like you have a book that you're reading and those photos on the page, you might be imagining something in your own mind. And so maybe how the illustrator did it, either, oh, I wasn't picturing that way, or it was, or it amplifies in certain ways. And so I think that there's a beauty of the complementary as well as the standavina.
2: Yeah, I'm so glad that you said that. I had thought about that too, the the reality. like We talked in the cataphatic episode about if you really love words, you're just going to want to engage in them. And sometimes we've talked about music, right? If we really love music, we're going to want to do that. And so... Can we do something with words in connection to what we're seeing? Can we do something with music in connection? It's like those love languages that we sometimes talk about. And we create this overlapping. It all falls together. And I think it's helpful not to look at it from a rigid standpoint, I think.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you naming that too. And one of the things that comes to mind, I think I was listening to podcast, And I, I believe that the guy's name is Padma. And uh, he's this Irish Catholic guy. And he was talking about how the stations of the cross and viewing the stations of a cro- the cross as a daily practice was such a, a source of healing in in his life, and it was probably complementing the scriptures that were being read as well. And so, yeah, again, yeah, I, I appreciate you naming that. And that that came to my mind, uh, and I think people have participated in the stations of the cross, and it it has. It can become routine, right? It can be this thing that you do once a year, or it can be fresh and new and alive every time that you participate in it.
2: This is such a fun and exciting conversation. So thank you so much for talking about Visio Divina. And hopefully there'll be plenty of inspiration now to look out the window, find a picture, hang out with some icons, and see what emerges. And now is the time in our podcast where we take a moment to talk about what we are into.
1: What are we into today? I am into winter vests. And so I used to see active people with like vests and I'm like, how is that keeping you warm if there's no sleeves on it and judged it? But then recently got one and I'm like, oh, I get it. Because if you're out walking, the core of your body is, and I was looking it up too, is where you retain a lot of heat and then your arms are moving and it's not bulky and you don't get as sweaty in your armpits. and so. I am loving my winter fleece best. So that is what I am into. That
2: is very fun. I am with you in having wondered about the vest. But every now and again, it's like a scarf, right? Sometimes you just need that little bit of extra warmth. there's a funny thing that I'm into these days. I've really enjoyed the concept of fidgets. I think I was a little bit annoyed by those as well in the past. But I have some adult friends with ADHD who talked up the fidget and got really excited when there was a sale on all things fidget. <laughs> and I have found, oh, okay, that there is something about offering someone something to do with their hands and the, it doesn't necessarily detract the way like, I was convinced at one point that it would. And yes, various forms of texture or ability to use one's hands. I have been
0: And there's this, even this class that I looked at going to Canada. It's doing this two-week And that's, I plan on doing that later on in life, but my oldest child has engaged in a class project that they are making a guitar for the class project. And so I have been roped in to helping assemble this. The body is already assembled. The cross braces are put inside. And so I just, I'm into building a guitar in the capacity of which I can do so right now. Later, I want to do it all by hand. And, but this is such a fun experience because I get to see some of the easier steps to making a prepackaged guitar. And so I'm into guitar making with my oldest child. That's what I'm into. Wow.
2: That is a thing of awe. I am in awe at the moment. (laughs) Thank you everyone for being with us this week. And we'll look forward to being with you again soon.
0: If you enjoy listening to the podcast, we invite you to stay connected by signing up for our Foundry Spiritual Center newsletter, where you can learn about even more programs and offerings. You'll find a link to subscribe in the show notes, or visit us anytime at foundrysc.com. Thanks again for being with
2: us. We hope you have a great week.